Welcome to the Farm Bids Podcast. Farm Bids is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture Team and hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Bids Podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever Open for Business FarmBits collaboration episode. I'm Kelsey Swantek. And I'm Asia Macon. We are so excited that you are here to join us. This collaboration was formed on the idea of taking the Best of Women in Agriculture's Open for Business series and the Best of the FarmBits podcast and combining it to create a new informative mini series. On this episode, we're joined by Jordan Bader, co-founder and the director of industry partnerships at Marble Technologies. Marble is developing intelligent automation for the meat processing industry to address the industry's greatest pain point, chronic labor shortages. Marble brings together diverse domain experts, including meat scientists, software engineers, and roboticists to build impactful and customer-focused solutions. Jordan has spent her career in ag technology and uses her background in agriculture to bring the voice and perspective of the customer to inform product development. There's some great information coming your way, but we are going to let Jordan tell you the rest. I grew up in production agriculture. I'm from a small town, Ainsworth, Nebraska, uh, located in the north central part of the state. My family has a cow-calf operation, so um, very much am familiar and ingrained in um, the meat industry and agricultural production. Um, From there, I went on to study at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I earned both my bachelor's and my master's degree in agricultural economics, and um, I am proud to be one of the first members of the Engler Entrepreneurship Program there on East Campus at UNL as well. Um, That program was certainly very, very uh, formative and transformational for me um, and my career, so I credit a lot of where I am today uh, to my experience at the university and especially uh, as part of the Engler program. Um, After my time at the university, I went on to work uh, for a company called GrainBridge. Um, GrainBridge was an ag technology company that developed risk management software for farmers and ranchers. So um, things like budgeting, uh, grain marketing, all of that management um, could take place there uh, in the software application. So My role at GrainBridge um, was focused in product development, which really meant being the voice of the customer or being the voice of um, agricultural producers and understanding what their needs are um, and helping to communicate those needs um, to the engineers who are able to actually develop the technology to make sure that the requirements um, actually help producers make the decisions that they needed to make. So um, during my time at GrainBridge, I worked with fantastic people who, several of whom I'm, I'm privileged to work with today at Marble as well. So that was a great experience for me and um, helped me uncover my passion for product development and kind of merging the two worlds of technology and agriculture. Um, Gradebridge went on to be acquired as a joint venture between ADM and Cargill. And I left there in the June of 2020 to pursue what is today a Marble. Uh, with a couple of former colleagues at Grainbridge, um, who I worked with at Grainbridge. And so fast forward to today, um, Marble has uh, been incorporated now officially for about a year and a half. And um, I'm one of the co-founders and the director of industry partnerships. And I'm looking forward to chatting more about what we're doing at Marble. 
Um, on a personal standpoint, um, I am married to my wonderful husband, John, and we have two young daughters um, who, are, who are almost four and two years old. So we've got, um, we've got an exciting household most days, um, keeping everything afloat, but um, it's, it's very rewarding. And I'm, I feel very blessed to be able to uh, work in, in a career that I find to be very fulfilling um, while uh, raising two young daughters to, that I hope I'm setting an example um, of what women can do in, in entrepreneurship and, and in agriculture. That is really inspiring. And I'm pretty sure that you are a great role model for them, Jordan. So what is Marble? What exactly is Marble Technologies? And what does it mean when you say intelligent automation, especially when it comes to meat processing? Yeah. So Marble Technologies is developing uh, what we call intelligent automation or AI-powered automation for the meat processing industry. So what we mean by that is that we are putting brains on hardware uh, to automate challenging, physically demanding and repetitive tasks that exist in meat processing today. So um, as we likely all experienced during COVID-19, there was a, a large disruption to many supply chains, but particularly in the meat supply chain. Um, and part of the reason is because it's, it's a very labor intensive process and task for animals um, and carcasses to be broken down to the food um, that we eat or, or purchase at the grocery store at the restaurant. So uh, Marble was really born out of, of these pain points and these challenges. We spent a lot of time talking with stakeholders in the agriculture industry, especially in the meat supply chain to understand um, what, what's happened and uh, why are there breakdowns in the supply chain. And, and really what we came to find is that uh, there is this bottleneck that exists in the middle of the process at meat processing, and there is such a high reliance on manual labor um, in order to get meat to our tables. Um, a, a high percentage of the labor required to get an animal from the farm to the table occurs at that, at that stage in meat processing. So when we talk about intelligent automation, um, one of the challenges is of automation in this particular industry is that um, unlike very consistent uniform products um, that you might think about, like think about like a Hershey's Kiss or a Peep and other, other food production, they're all very consistent products, right? They, they're supposed to be the exact same size every single time. So um, automation is easier with products that are very uniform and automated because um, everything is the same, it's consistent. But we know that is not the case um, in meat manufacturing or, or meat products. So when we talk about intelligent automation, what we really mean is that there's a degree of intelligence um, associated with this. And we're able to do that through artificial intelligence that um, these tasks that we are working on automating, automating and meat processing have a level of decision-making capacity that it's able to handle the variability that exists not only in meat products, but also in the process um, that it sees. So um, by developing this automation um, that isn't necessarily driven on a very strict set of rules that expects the same thing um, every single time, we're able to actually adapt to how the automation functions um, based on the environment and changes in that environment. So one example of that, uh, we are um, our, we are bringing our first product to market 
um, this year, and it's focused on automating the sorting and packing of meat products. So today, meat facilities have a high number of people whose sole job is to look for a vacuum sealed uh, piece of meat and place that into a box. So this is really very repetitive. Um, it's not necessarily adding value to the product itself. Um, and there's a huge opportunity to upskill these employees to do something um, that is higher value to the company, um, higher, higher skills for them that they can add other than looking for a particular product and placing it into a box. So our first product that we're bringing to, to market is this automated sorting and packaging. And so um, using computer vision and artificial intelligence, we're able to identify um, pieces of meat uh, that are not labeled and then software is able to um, direct where that meat is routed and sorted into box, um, sorted so it can then be boxed. Um, pick and place robotic arms certainly um, are able to pick up those products and place into a box um, or even simply by doing the sortation, automating that sorting of various products, um, individual operators can can increase their efficiency by packing more products than just one or two, like what they're doing today. Um, so I guess coming back to answer your question in terms of what is that art, um, intelligent automation, uh, it's really putting brains on equipment um, that are used in manufacturing and meat manufacturing to be able to automate repetitive tasks, even when the environment um, isn't always the most predictable or the product isn't predictable. That's really cool. That's uh... Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Uh, labor shortages is a huge thing. And then just that repetitive motion is so hard on a person. Where did you guys come up with the name Marble? Um, so the the group of us that um, were on the founding team, we, we had just some Google folders with some various ideas we were floating around. And so we called this Project Marble, uh, which kind of came from, you know, thinking of like marbling of, of beef. Um, so we included that in our executive summary as we started shipping it around um, and people started commenting like, I like this name. So it kind of stuck. Um, it took about 30 seconds, I think, to come up with and um, people, people told us they liked it. So we ran with it. I love how simple that is and, and it becomes a <laughs> huge, awesome company like that. That's cool. <laughs> So you kind of already answered this, but just to clarify, uh, where is Marble today as a company? You said it's um, aimed to be out by the end of the year. Um, so are you guys still testing it? Or are you just trying to have um, your robots ready to go when the orders start coming in or where are you at on that? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, yeah, we, uh, we've been incorporated since uh, November of 2020, and we've got a team, um, we've assembled a fantastic team that combine multiple disciplines. So one very unique thing about the Marble team is that it's bringing together worlds that typically would not intersect or collide. Uh, so we bring together meat scientists um, and folks who have experience in meat operations and meat industry know-how uh, with engineers who have developed uh, both software and hardware technologies and other higher high-tech industries. So the silver lining of COVID is that we've been able to get um, talent very interested from other in industries, very interested in working in automating meat processing. Uh, we've assembled um, a, a team of 
both engineers meet scientists and folks who have experience building um, ag tech startups together. And um, we are piloting the technology with a couple of beef processing facilities this year and are prepared to commercialize and, and start then um, following those pilots selling uh, the units following that um, towards the end of the year. So um, we're, we are funded um, through venture capital and, and private investments. And so uh, we, um, yeah, we're full scale on this. We've got a team um, of about 20 people in a variety of, um, variety of capacities working on our team in order to deliver our first product in 2022. Awesome, that's so exciting. So just to clarify, you are not the processing plant, you are building robots for the processing plants to use. That's right. Yeah. So uh, Marble itself is, uh, we, we are not a processing facility. And, um, and I would also say that automation isn't just robotics. So a lot of what we do in the technology um, extends beyond robotic applications. So while robotic arms uh, could certainly be used in this, um, there's automation that could exist by using things like paddle sorters um, and sorting arms. Um, as, as well as eventually some robotic arms um, to do multiple different tasks in the facility. So our core competency really focuses in technology. So that's, that's our bread and butter. That's what we know and, and what we're very good at de developing and building. Um, and that being said, we do work closely with, with meat processors. So from a product development standpoint, uh, we can't build this technology in a basement ship it to Nebraska um, and, and, it, and assume that that's going to work in, in a production setting. So the engagement with our customer base is absolutely critical to what we're doing because we have to be able to test it. We have to understand what their needs are and make sure that the technology we build is really meeting the needs um, and the pain points that they have for us. So Though we are not the processor, we collaborate very closely with them through every so, stage of Jordan, development. Now, how um, did you get the idea that we know today as Marble Technologies? Where did that actually come from? Sure. Um, well, again, COVID-19 hit and things, um, yeah, very vivid memories of, uh, you know, the supply chain disruptions that happened. Um, I mentioned the Engler program as part of that as a student. I've stayed fairly involved in that program as an alumni. And so um, Tom Field, the director of the Engler program, has been a great mentor of mine um, since college. And so um, throughout COVID, um, I spent a lot of time just on the phone trying to just connecting with people. And um, in one of my conversations with Tom, we just started digging into kind of what happened in this um, in the supply chain. Um, in the meat space or kind of where, where are these breakdowns happening? Um, kind of concurrently of having those conversations with, you know, just my relationships of folks in, in the meat industry, um, I stayed connected with some of my colleagues uh, who I had worked with at Greenbridge and who are my co-founders as well at Marble. And um, Marble CEO, Shafiq Barber, um, who was also a co-founder actually of, of the previous company, Greenbridge, uh, was out at MIT getting his MBA and his background is in technology. And so um, several of us had continued to chat about what are some ideas, you know, what's, what's the next business idea that we want to pursue together. And um, so all of this was kind of happening as COVID was, was kind of just surfacing and getting started. And so um, through my conversation uh, with some of 
my mentors in at UNL and in the meat space, um, I we had chatted about, hey, there's there's challenges that are happening in the meat industry. Um, we know technology, and um, through his experience at MIT, got to know like a whole new set of talent um, out there. So we started probing as do we know people that could help address this problem um, from a technology standpoint? And from there, we really just started getting introductions to experts um, in the meat industry. So one introduction would lead to another. And we just, we would, we spent a lot of time on the phone, just asking questions, seeking to understand uh, what the pain points were, uh, what caused some of these challenges in the supply chain and, and where is there an opportunity for technology to make a difference and bring impact. So, um, so Marble was really born out of COVID in many ways and um, a desire from a, a group of people who know technology and are rooted in agriculture and, and work to try and combine those two worlds to make a difference in an industry that matters to us. So uh, that's, that's how we got started. Awesome. So after you built your network, what did your business plan for Marble look like from the start after you um, started talking to all of the professionals and the Yeah, yeah, great question. So to, to be honest, we really focused on putting together an executive summary. So like, think of this as like a three-page business plan to kind of articulate what, our, what, what we were thinking, what our ideas were. Um, and what the opportunity was in front of us and, and the solution that we could bring. Um, when, we, when we first got started or that first summer, um, we were hearing, you know, like there, there needs to be more processing capacity. And so uh, when we initially started out, we had this, you know, the, the pitch was about this vision of partnering to actually be a processor, create new processing, next generation processing facilities that are equipped with all of this technology. Um, so that's how um, we got started. Um, and again, we just continued to um, get feedback, get, um, have introductions to, to experts. And we are, we are very good at listening and receiving feedback, internalizing that and making sure that what we do is actually solving the need or addressing the customer's needs. So um, over time, as we got feedback, that began the business plan and kind of be evolved into focusing more on our um, core competency of the technology. Um, and, and over time, I think that um, technology will, even in existing legacy meat processing facilities, generate more processing capacity. Um, and as new facilities are being built, I certainly think that automation will be a very big component to these new meat processing plants that, that we'll read about um, that are being announced and raising money for. So it started out with the grand vision to, to build a new processing facility equipped with the technology. And, and we pivoted to really focus in more on, on our core competency of, the, of developing the tech. So from that original um, business plan and even today, what were some of your checkpoints or the requirements that you wanted this company to meet specifically? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, and, and maybe this is more from a, from a personal standpoint, I think actually solving a problem is, is certainly a, the big number one factor. And I think how we've gotten so much traction so quickly is that the problem is, is big. 
it's well known and it's at a tipping point. Um, so making sure that what we're building is actually addressing a problem is, is, a, is a big checkpoint and a gut check for us always in what we're doing as we vet um, the products that we're pursuing or developing, making sure that, um, that it actually is meaningful and making an impact in, to the customer. So that, that's a big one. Uh, for me personally, I um, I have to to be drawn to the mission and purpose of what we're doing, and so that's one of the reasons that Marble is easy to wake up and go to work every day, and it's it's exciting to me because um, as someone who grew up in production ag, um, my family and friends raise livestock, so um, this issue doesn't just affect me as a consumer, but it, it affects many of my friends and family um, at, at the other uh, end of the supply chain um, when there are disruptions here. So that to me is that um, it checked the box that this is meaningful and, and purposeful work to be doing every day. Um, it's a great group of people to work with. Um, and I think the other thing that we look for internally um, is you know, what we do, is it scalable? So we wanna make sure that we're not um, developing one project for one customer, but that we are um, talking to enough people across the industry that what we build is a scalable model, a scalable solution that's needed by multiple facilities and, um, and, and what we're pursuing, I think also checks that box. Awesome, so Jordan, we have a few questions in the chat. I'm gonna start with the first one from Kristen. So Kristen wants to know in what states are the products being pi being piloted? I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so Marble has two locations. Um, we are we have um, a group of engineers out of Lincoln, Nebraska, and we've got a group out in Boston, uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Rather, um, we have relationships with a number of facilities, um, and of course, Nebraska. We've got some strong relationships, and also in the Northeast, um, where we're pursuing our our pilots. Um, for our technology. So Jordan, what are some of the advantages and benefits that the Marble system offers? Of course, the thing that everyone wants to talk about, especially customers um, from an advantage standpoint is, is the ability to reduce the amount of labor required to, um, to process meat uh, or in a particular department. Sometimes we'll get the question of, are we replacing jobs? And that is not the case whatsoever. Um, these facilities are short 100 to 300 people a day um, in their staffing. So what they love about what we're doing is that any labor savings that we can achieve in certain areas of the facility, they're able to redeploy or upskill into other high, high need, high value areas of their facility. So that of course is advantage and benefit number one. Um, but beyond that, um, with additional technology, there's a lot of other areas that can be impacted from, you know, from a sustainability and, and efficiency standpoint, um, when you really look at it across multiple domains. So um, not only labor savings, but improving the job quality. So even though, um, even those jobs that do exist in meat facilities, by, by utilizing this type of technology, it should reduce the amount of um, tasks that lead to repetitive use injury or that are really physically demanding. Um, so not only reducing the overall labor requirements, but making those jobs easier on people's bodies um, 
and more ergonomic, which you see a lot of today, which is fantastic that, those, um, that that's been adopted in the industry. Um, with elements such as computer vision and more of the software and data collection, I also anticipate there to be substantial gains um, around like reduced waste. So um, our, for example, um, can you detect when packages aren't adequately sealed um, by utilizing cameras? So today um, they're able to pick up on that and, and it gets, um, the faulty package gets removed, it goes back up, um, it gets put back, it back into a package where it gets vacuum sealed. Um, but it's, it's still very manual and there isn't necessarily any um, time to figure out what's causing this. Is it, is it a faulty vacuum sealer? So um, with things even like pattern recognition, this technology um, should be able to identify um, where there's issues that need to be addressed sooner to, to reduce waste and improve quality um, and just better insights and information. Um, there's, as I mentioned, there's a lot of information that is generated every day in these facilities, but that either isn't being captured or um, it's not presented in a way that you can make better, um, better decisions with. So long-term, I think where there will be um, the most advantage to this type of technology in any manufacturing, but especially, especially in meat uh, production is around the information, having more real-time up-to-date information to make better uh, operational decisions with. So those are, those are a couple of the ones that, um, that we know and that, that we're aiming for in terms of benefits that our system can deliver. Right. Right. So I'm going to make this next question a little bit harder on you. Your answer cannot be COVID because that is everyone's answer all of the time. <laughs> um, but what was the biggest business shock that you faced? How did you overcome it? And what did you learn from it? Um, well, my response would not be COVID because that's really, we were born, I think, born out of that disruption. So in the silver lining of the whole deal, I think. Um, so I think it maybe wasn't so much a shock as, as somewhat of a surprise, you know, as I think back to, you know, what were the challenges that I anticipated? I think what we've come to learn is that the technology itself um, isn't necessarily like the most challenging component um, of this. So, right, there's, there is computer vision, technology that exists in other industries that can identify particular products. So we'll sometimes get the question of like, why isn't this being done in meat processing? Um, and part, truthfully, part, I think some of the greatest challenge is the environment in which this technology has to live has been, um, is, is really where we spend a lot of, we spend time thinking about that and engineers solely focused on um, how do we get cameras to reliably operate in an environment that is cold and it is wet and it is going to get high pressure and hot water every single night. So um, those are things I think going into it that you don't stop to think about um, are what are all of these other constraints outside of like, can the techno technology actually work? Can I identify a piece of meat um, based on the muscle that it is basically? So I think that was something that um, 
that was surprising. And as you go into these facilities, you also realize and to the same point in terms of the environment is these are very tightly packed. Um, there, there aren't many brand new meat processing plants, so there's not a ton of space. They have optimized um, the space that they have for the process that they're doing um, for individuals to, to conduct this work. So um, part of the engineering and design process is really making compact solutions that can actually fit in these facilities and in a way that doesn't cause them to, um, you know, be offline or not operating for a long period of time because they have to gut their entire department in order to fit this in. So that's not our approach at all. Um, we we design around these these constraints that I think were maybe in some ways surprising to us going into it of like, okay, really a lot of these challenges come from just the environment which it has to live in. Um, just it's cold and wet and um, it has to be very compact and be able to be deployed in in over a weekend basically you know okay we have to be able to get this set up in two days how do we design something that that can be implemented in a phased approach um, <clears throat> so so those are some things that um, I think for lack of a better term have been uh, maybe surprising to me going into it. Um, how we've re responded and adapted to that is when we know those constraints up front, um, that's certainly helpful to our design, but we've also learned to communicate with customers um, to really think about how do I make this as um, de-risk this for them in a way that they will feel comfortable um, bringing in this technology um, that in a phased approach. So at times, you know, there's coming from a software background, it's not challenging to ask a customer or a farmer to like, hey, spend some time on this application and give me some feedback. They have very little risk in, associated with that. Like the biggest thing that they get, have given up is their time. Um, so very little risk if something happens, you know, to, to a software application. But what we're doing in this industry, as I mentioned before, it requires that collaboration with the customer. So and I, these pilots um, that we're conducting and, and that collaboration with the customer is so critical because um, replicating a meat production facility is very difficult to do in a lab. So we have to be able to um, do that testing on site and in these facilities. And this is mission critical stuff to the, to the facility. Um, it's, it's not just, yeah, I'll, I'll spend an hour to give you feedback, but um, the technology is on the production line and there, there's higher risk associated with that in comparison to, uh, to a software application. So um, those are some things that um, were new to us um, that came from more of that software background, but we've, we've adapted, I think, by just putting different constraints on ourselves and learning to communicate and think about that in a really incremental and phased approach. Nice. So Jordan, we have a question in the chat for you. Um, what do you think the biggest advancement your, com your company has made or will make in terms of packer efficiency? I, I think um, with this first product that we're focused on, um, it will certainly it will be in um, on the labor side of that that variable um, of labor and being able to redeploy or have that 
have the ability to redeploy those operators. So um, what we hear from our customers is like from an efficiency standpoint is they're, they're slowing down their line speed because there isn't enough people there. They may change the production mix that they're producing. So um, they'll shift to fewer, like less labor intensive cuts to fabricate. So maybe they're not um, separating as many muscles or, or doing, they're doing easier cuts basically, but that also tends to reduce the value um, of them by not processing them quite as much. So that I think will certainly be um, at least initially the biggest gain uh, that we have. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, I think so much of what, what we will be able to do is provide um, insights and based off of data for uh, front office decision makers from an operations standpoint um, to enable them to have a real-time look at what they've produced. I think their sales team will be able to have uh, more up-to-date information. Their operations team will be able to make decisions on how they um, how they want to um, move people around or, or what's on the make sheet for that particular day. Um, so I think that that over time, that's really going to be where great efficiency gains are made is, is simply by having more accessible information. Awesome. So Jordan, going back to the conversation we had about business shocks, how have you prepared Marble to face the next one? We are always asking ourselves the question, how do we de-risk this as much as possible for the customer? Um, I think one thing we do very well is we listen. And when we ask questions, um, we're very good at inquiry and customer discovery and asking these questions to seek to understand what those concerns are and, and then address those. Um, of course, more on the technical side, um, we do a lot of testing and iteration and development in terms of those you know, constraints that we face from an environment standpoint or those technical risks. So we've got processes that we follow from, from an engineering standpoint to make sure that um, we feel really confident and comfortable with the technology and living in its intended environment. Um, even though we don't, we don't have a meat processing plant of our own to test in, um, we certainly replicate it as best we can to test before we actually go into to our facilities. Where is there so much divide between packer profits and the producer? Um, can you kind of explain how marble works, how much marble work might benefit the producers? Yeah, yep, that's a great question. And I totally understand it um, coming from coming from production agriculture. So I mean, this bottleneck in the industry, which certainly is contributing to, or at least in, in recent years, contributing to the um, growing difference in, um, in profit between packer and producer really is, is coming from some of this bottleneck and um, constraints of, of capacity. So marble with automation and marble specifically, we, we are aimed at reducing um, that choke point and removing this burden or this pain point in the processing facility. So this is this should this is good for producers. We know that um, when processing capacity decreases, the price that producers receive also decreases. And when capacity goes up, there's more op marketing opportunity for livestock uh, producers and operators. So um, that's where we see there being benefit um, in in the short term, especially, is by relieving this uh, pain point that has 
substantially contributed to the, the constraint and capacity um, on a daily basis. So what are you most excited about uh, moving forward with Marble itself and also the automation and robotics in agriculture? Yeah, I, again, I'm most excited to, to make a meaningful difference in an industry that I care deeply about um, and, and that I've been a part of uh, growing up. So that's, that's what's very exciting um, to me about Marble is, is the, the impact that we can make. Um, the other very exciting thing, just, you know, taking a step back and looking at this, like at a kind of from a bird's eye view is there's some interesting stuff happening at the time. I think the timing could not be better for, uh, for marble. And there's, while labor shortages have been an issue, not, not just for meat processing, like agriculture generally is facing labor shortages, but it's uh, particularly acute in meat processing. Um, it's been a longstanding problem, but it's finally come to this tipping point where um, it, it's an issue that has to be resolved um, to address how are we going to handle this moving forward. These are challenges that have to be resolved and, and automation is certainly where people are looking to for that answer. So, um, what excites me too with Marble is just the timing of all of this happening is there's never been a better time uh, for what we are doing than there is today. Um, to your point on the on the Packer profits that that's contributing to the timing is, um, you know, if, if these were very tight margin, low margin years, these may be more challenging conversations to have, um, but there is an opportunity, at least in this window, um, for some of these investments to be made now um, in order in order to have more uh, smooth sailing moving forward in, in terms of future um, disruptions or events. And you also have money coming into this industry to try and solve these supply chain challenges from, from both the government making announcements of, of working to resolve uh, these challenges in the meat supply chain, as well as venture capital firms investing a lot of money in this space. So, the timing of all of these things coming together um, is, is really exciting. Um, and I never would have imagined um, that this would be where I am today, um, even just a few years ago. So, so that's, that's an exciting piece. Um, from overall automation and robotics and agriculture, um, I just, it's, I think, People like myself or those who have an agricultural background um, and Nebraska generally, I think there is so much knowledge and subject matter expertise that exists in this area. And there's so many smart engineers um, who, are, who are removed and don't understand this space. So I think what's exciting and I think that Marble is doing well is it's merging these very unique skill sets together to that has access to understand these problems and challenges and to get very talented engineers to actually solve these problems. So um, from an from automation and agriculture standpoint, I think there's there's so much opportunity um, for the next generation of technology and agriculture generally. Um, and so I would encourage any any producer here or anyone who's got the agriculture background 
um, to have those conversations with engineers, people who don't understand because um, the technologists need you so badly just as much as you need them. Because the worst thing um, that can happen is that technology gets built without really understanding the problem. And the only way that problems can be understood is by talking to the people that are experiencing them. So um, I would just encourage um, those with an ag background to, uh, to, to give that time. If someone's asking for feedback or wanting to understand how things work, um, that that's how great technology that can solve problems gets built is, is by talking to the user, talking to the customer. Thank you for that. So Jordan, do you believe that you have faced any setbacks as a woman in the agriculture field, especially in digital agriculture as well as from the entrepreneur standpoint, standpoint, excuse me? Yeah, well, um, it's no secret that agriculture is a male dominated field as is, as is engineering. So um, there are certainly times where I am the, the sole woman in the room or, or not or one of few um, at conferences, uh, but I don't see that as a setback. I don't know that I've, I've necessarily felt like I've, because I'm a woman um, in this space that that's um, hindered me at all. Um, I guess my strategies have always been to seek mentors who can help guide me through in my career and in decision-making and, and through various situations, uh, both men and women um, as well, who've been great. So I've been very fortunate to um, have have those mentors that I've been able to reach out to, even though, um, even if that is outside of my organization, I think that's been one thing that's been important to me. Um, and as I mentioned before, um, being a mom to two young, two young girls, I think it's just uh, so critical um, for women to even, even if you don't see a lot of, um, a lot of fellow females in your organization or in your room to, uh, to, still speak up, pursue what you want to do and, and chase after those dreams, even if you don't see um, others doing it. Um, it's, if you need a cheerleader, call me because I'm happy to do that. Um, I think it's so critical and important to, to really lift and um, lift up other women entrepreneurs um, who are chasing after their dreams because it's, it's incredible. They're so important to, to our communities, to our organizations. So uh, keep after it and, um, and it's, it's absolutely worth it. Um, even, even if, um, even if you might be the only woman in the room from time to time. Jordan, is there anything that we didn't ask or talk about that you want to share before we wrap this up? Um, fantastic. Well, fantastic questions. Um, I think, yeah, just the main thing is, um, appreciate the invitation. Um, if you want to learn more about marble, um, please connect with me. LinkedIn is probably the best way to do that. Um, you can also visit our website. It's cmarble, S-E-E marble.com. Um, but again, we, we wouldn't be where we are today without, you know, we are so fortunate to have um, incredible mentors and advisors to our team. And it's through conversations with really all stakeholders in, um, in the meat industry is, is how we've made so much progress. And so uh, it, we mean it when we say that, that we wanna talk to folks and listen to understand challenges and problems. So if this is something that, that you wanna connect on, please reach out. Um, would love to visit with you. So I guess that would just be my final thought is um, if 
to stay plugged into the Marvel journey, we'd love to connect with you um, and, uh, and have a coffee. Awesome. And we are bringing a bit of Farmbits tradition to this Open for Business episode. Um, we always ask for a piece of advice from our guest. And today we kind of want to know, um, Jordan, what do you have for farmers or entrepreneurs like yourself, especially our female entrepreneurs that might be listening and don't really know uh, where to start? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would say do, do not be afraid to ask. Um, ask for an introduction, ask for some time to chat. Um, I think you will be surprised at how generous others can be um, in, in terms of sharing their knowledge um, or their network with you. So if there's something you're interested in, just ask. Um, I think it can be scary at first, um, but, but over time it gets easier. And I think that's really what will unlock a lot of doors. Um, the other piece of advice I would say is, you know, when, when building a company or your team is really um, look for people with complementary skill sets as you. And that oftentimes means folks that have different strengths than your own. That's been a huge advantage uh, to our team at Marble, um, especially in, in the early startup phases is having people that are very gifted and skilled in different areas. So um, those I think are important components for entrepreneurs, um, but certainly, and I guess the last thought I'll leave with is uh, make sure that you take care of yourself too and surround yourself with a community of people um, that can support you as a person and as, as you go through the entrepreneurial journey. So it's certainly not um, for the faint of heart. It, it can be a roller coaster at times. So making sure that you've got that um, network and community of people who can lift you up, I think is so critical. Um, and I, um, I would not be where I am today without, without my community of support, both my friends and family and, and all the people that, um, that have been part of, of making, uh, building marble to what it is today, but, but who have also been instrumental in my life and guiding me um, to, to really chase after my dream um, of, of being an entrepreneur. So um, that would be my three pieces of advice and wisdom. We'd like to extend a huge thank you to Jordan Bader of Marble Technologies for taking the time to join us today. It's really cool to see a Nebraska woman in ag start such an innovative and useful ag technology business. My favorite part was when Jordan was describing her business startup plan and how Marble Technologies came about and where it is today. That was really cool, but my favorite part has to be hearing the story of a true Husker and a woman in ag and how she's so involved in the digital ag space. That's not something we see a lot of, I don't think. I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to join us on March 8th live for our second collaboration episode released through FarmBits on March 17th. We'll be back next week to share another digital ag story with you on FarmBits. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the FarmBits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. 
The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of Farm Bits.